0: Welcome to IMPACT this morning and happy Memorial Day weekend. How are we doing out there? Yeah? Habits. Do you like that we're talking about habits? No? Someone told me last night, he was like, you know what, enough with the meddling. All right, enough with the meddling. We just, I'm I'm done with you guys meddling into all my business, you know? Habits. These domino effect decisions day after day, waking up five minutes early. Five minutes earlier Monday, and then five minutes earlier on Tuesday, and day after day, that extra five minutes. Saying no to that food day after day. It's not like one day you say no to the food and you see a difference, it's the domino effect. Habits. We're in week two of our series Habits. We started off last week with this quote from Lao Tzu. Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. And I would go further, watch your habits, they become your life. This domino effect. Last week we talked about the the power of our thoughts. Were you here last week? Talked about these positive, these biblical Pauline affirmations of our faith so that we could be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Did you read those affirmations this week? Did some of you commit some to memory? No? (laughs) Well, you need to, because we gotta be renewed in our minds. Next week, we're going to be preaching, we're gonna be finishing up the series talking about the power of our actions, and Ryan, Jason, and I are going to be team teaching for the first time. Together, the three of us, pray for us. Pray for us, we all love to talk. We could be here for like four hours in one service. We're gonna be jockeying up here for the microphone. Um, no, for real, I'm super excited about it. So come next week as we finish up the series on habits. And this week, we're talking about the power of our words. You ready to talk about the power of your words? The Bible talks a lot about words like way more than I ever would have imagined. Today we're gonna do kind of a case study throughout scripture. We're gonna be taking, we're gonna, if you're a note taker, we've got a ton of, of scripture verses and passages that we're gonna be looking at on the power of the tongue. This week I asked some questions as I was doing some research, and I love numbers, I love statistics, and so I began with this question. How many words are there? How many words are there? In the English language, English dictionary, Oxford English dictionary has over 70, 170,000 words. It's estimated that in between 250,000 and uh, upwards of a million words in English. It's really difficult for linguists um, and social scientists to actually, uh, to actually get a, an accurate number because language changes so much. Words in the Arabic language, this is similar to Aramaic. I'm, so did you know Jesus spoke Aramaic um, when he was on the cross and he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's, he was speaking in Aramaic. That was a common language of the day. Um, and both from the Middle East. Arabic language, 12 million words. Korean, there's over 1 million words in the dictionary, over five times the amount in our dictionary. In the Greek language, five million words, 70 million word types, 600,000 that are used today. Words are a really, really big deal. In fact, uh, Noam Chomsky, um, a, a foremost scholar when it comes to linguists, has actually posited, this is a really bold statement, that the biggest difference between human beings and other primates or other animals in the animal kingdom is our ability to speak. Our ability, not just to speak to each other, because animals can talk to each other, but our ability to to create complex structure and syntax and grammar and complex ideas, language, communication. So how many words do we say? This was the next question I asked. How many words do we say every day? Up to 7,000 for men. This is for real. I didn't make this up, all right? (laughs) Up to 20,000 for women, all right? There's a reason that it's a chatty Kathy, not a chatty Carl. (laughs) Now, some of you men are like me and like Jason and Ryan, and you actually, this is flipped, you know? So this this statistic does not apply to some of us preachers. We talk way more than 7,000. Uh, In 1984, there was a British writer who came up with an estimate of 860 million words that human beings speak in their lifetime. That's the entire 32 volume of Britannica, 19 times over. That's the equivalent of the Bible over 1,100 times. Words matter and words change. Do you know that words change? You know that words change. So when I was growing up, like we said things like, man, that's cool. What does cool mean? It means awesome. No, it doesn't. It means cold. It's temperature. So cool, or hey, that was rad. Or those those shoes are really boss, man. You remember that one? Words change. I've been learning some words from my kids recently. This is a testament of how old I am. Okay, Gen Z has their own words. These are some words I've been learning from my kids recently. That's cap, dad. Like a hat? No, Dad. It's cap. It's like it's a lie. Oh, okay. Dad, you got the drip today. <laughs> now, for anyone who's in the medical field, the drip is a venereal disease. Okay. <laughs> so, I hear the drip, and I'm like, I don't know. That's offensive to me. <laughs> but for Gen Z, it's not. It's something cool. All right. This pizza is bussin'. I'll ask this question to my kids. Carter, did you brush your teeth today? Bet. <laughs> Excuse me? Did you, br- but yeah, but did you brush your teeth today? Bet, dad. A yes or no, please, just yes or no. <laughs> that song slaps. Yeah. That's so cringe. In fact, some of you, if you're, in Gen, you're part of Gen Z, you're probably like, this message is already so cringe. So. <laughs> Just stop, stop with the lingo. There's a bunch of common phrases that we use for words. In fact, common phrases, not just for words, but that have the word, word in them that we use all the time today. Have the last word, what does that mean? You won the argument. Or we had words, you had an argument. He's a man of his word, integrity. I'm lost for words or I'm at a loss for words. Speechless, it was beyond words. That's a swear word. My word. Eat your words. In a word, for summation, famous last words. Mark my words. I give you my word. You better weigh your words. Can I have a word with you? Those are just empty words. He recited that word for word. Spread the word. One service at 10 a.m. I'm imagining there's gonna be some people that roll in here in about a half an hour, (laughs) come in. God, when did it change? Spread the word. That was, I like this one, that was a good word preacher. I really like that one. Wink, wink, I don't know. (laughs) Words, language, communication are some of the most essential parts of our lives. Bad communication literally leads to wars, leads to divorce. We have a process through which we take couples for premarital counseling or premarital mentorship um, here at Impact. And one of the most common topics is communication. Communication about money, and about values, and about roles, and about expectations, and about sex, and about everything. Communication. How are you with your words? Bad communication leads to ended friendships. Can anyone attest to that? To division of churches. anyone been through a church split from communication? Words spewed forth without thinking about it excommunication of family members, and even to death. Healthy communication, good communication leads to forgiveness, to reconciliation, to understanding, to learning, to growth, to life. Words create and they destroy. And Genesis chapter one is, you know, just interesting, taking like a whole um, kind of a macro view of scripture this week. Genesis, did you know that that creation began with what? Words. God literally, his actions in creation were his words. Genesis chapter one, verse three, and God said, let there be light. He created with his words. Likewise, church, when we speak, we create realities. Do you know this to be true? Some of you know this to be true because your vocation or your calling is because of a coach or a pastor or a parent or a teacher or a friend or some mentor speaking into you saying, I think you could do this. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, I think you could do this. Words create. Friedrich Nietzsche said it this way, all I need is a sheet of paper and something to write with and then I can turn the world upside down. Just give me words I can change the world. How about this, the beginning of John's gospel, in the beginning was what? The word. Now if you're newer to church, this passage is just confusing. If you step back and think about it, they don't even mention Jesus here. They're talking about a word And the word is God, and the word is also life, and it's light. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? That's because the word is actual life. God's word is Jesus, and Jesus is God's word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God. Wait, he? Yeah, the word is personified here. He, Jesus, is the word, was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh. I wanna say that again. The word became flesh. The incarnation of God is that His word took on flesh and bone. Did you know that that happens? That kind of incarnation happens with our words every day. They take on flesh, they take on meaning, they take on value, they create and recreate. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I ask you today, what worlds? are you creating with your words? It was about 25 years, 20, 25 years ago, John Mayer wrote a song called My Stupid Mouth. And I don't know, do you resonate with my stupid mouth sometimes? Like, man, it just, this is how it started. My stupid mouth, it got me in trouble. Man, that is just, you know, a, a, a summation of so many of our lives. Does your mouth get you in trouble? Do your words get you in trouble? We're gonna be uh, speaking, I already, t- I already told you this, we're gonna be all over throughout scripture. We're doing a case study on the tongue and on words. And we're starting with Jesus' words about words. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 33, we're talking about Jesus' words about words to people who are really religious. So for some context, Jesus is preaching, pretend Jesus was up here right now in the 21st century. He's talking to a bunch of religious people. He's talking to a bunch of pastors and teachers and people that know all the right things. They've checked all the right boxes. They say and do all the right things and yet he's up in their grill, he's getting all up in their business and he's busting their chops. And this is what he says about words. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? This is kind of a rhetorical question from Jesus. You can't. If you're a brood of vipers, if you're a bad tree, you can't produce bad fruit. This is where the gospel of Jesus comes in, where Jesus wants to come and change. This is our habits. We're in this series. He wants to change the way you think. He wants to change the way you speak. He wants to change the way you act. He wants to change the very nature of who you are from the inside out. Make a tree good, and God can do that. He's still in the business of making of making bad trees, good trees, right? He's still in the business of doing that. He's in the business of doing that in me. He's in the business of doing that in you. I love that he uses this agrarian term too. He's talking about trees. Have you ever, are you gardening right now? Anyone gardening? Who likes gardening out here? Yeah, gardeners. Uh, My wife and I, we just started, we planted our garden uh, about a week ago which then we had to protect the, all the plants from the frost and, and Michigan. You know, Bride said, let's give it up for Michigan a little bit ago. I don't know. You know it just can't make up its mind. And, and this, this is what Jesus is doing. He's talking about plants. He's talking about trees. And I've never in all my years of gardening, I, my first job ever in Ohio was working on a produce farm. I have never seen a pepper plant produce a tomato. Have you? I've never seen uh, green beans sprout from a, uh, from a zucchini plant. You see the fruit and you know what kind of plant it is. Or you see the plant and you know what kind of fruit it's going to produce. This is really, really basic. This is very elementary, right? This is what Jesus is talking about. A bad tree, because okay, it's real simple. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Oh, I missed a part of the verse in verse 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That means the mouth is a window into what's happening in your heart. How have your words been lately? Do you wake up complaining? That means grumbling and complaining is in your heart. Well, no, they're just words. They're not just words. Jesus says they're, they're way more than that. They're actually a window. But I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word. Everyone say Empty word. Empty word. Every empty word that they have spoken, we're gonna come back to that in a little bit. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. In Proverbs, Solomon puts it this way in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So today we're gonna go through words of death and words of life the bad tree and the good tree. Uh, the, the bad fruit. And the good fruit, the words of death and the words of life. And we're going to start uh, with the bad news. We're going to start with words of death or bad fruit. Deceptive words. Number one, deceptive words. Proverbs 6, 16 says this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Did you know that the Lord hates things? This, these verses are really hard verses, Six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Did you notice a common theme at least two of these are directly about our speech a lying tongue and a false witness. Potentially two others, potentially four of the seven, someone who stirs up conflict, a heart that devises wicked schemes about our words. There's nothing more damaging to a relationship than lies. I want you to chew on that for a second. There's nothing more damaging to a relationship than falsehood, than lies. When you lie, Keller, Tim Keller put it this way, when you lie, you create a chasm between the reality uh, that another person sees and the reality that you've painted for them. You've, li- you've literally created two different realities. You're, on, you're in two different universes two different worlds. Not only that, when you lie to someone and they find out about the lie, because you know, often when we lie, then we have to lie to cover up the lie. Have you been down this road before, the domino effect of lying? You lie and then you have to cover up the lie and then that lie needs another cover up and needs another cover up. Whenever the lie is found out, what happens for the other person? They, they don't trust you the same. You know, when, if my kids lie to me or if I lie to my kids, the next time I say something to them that's factual, they're going to, without even thinking about it, scrutinize my words. Have you done this before in relationships? Now they lied, now, I ha- now I'm not sure, now you're filtering it and now you're being critical of it and you don't even wanna be critical, but because of falsehood, you're not sure what to believe. There's irony in this too, because when you lie and when we use our words poorly, we're gonna go through so many other ways where we use our words poorly and then how we use our words to bring life. When we use our words poorly, we actually uh, fight or kill the very thing that we need most in life, and that's relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with people. When we use our words uh, in a way that brings death, we kill the very thing that we need. How about this one? Gossip words. Did you know that the Bible talks about gossip? The Bible talks about some really, really cool things. Gossip words. Proverbs 18:8 8 says, "The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Do you like choice morsels? I love choice morsels. You know, back in the office right now, so Tracy, um, one of our office admins, she um, stocks these two containers full of candy back in the cupboard in the office right back here. And one of them is full of Lindor truffles. Ooh, those are choice. You know, it's not those junky candies that you get on Halloween that are wrapped in that wax paper. Who who, who does those? Why do we even have those anymore? Okay, those are garbage, all right? If you like them, I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry, okay? Stop eating those. Eat truffles or girardelli or something like that, okay? Choice morsels. Don't you love good chocolate? Ooh, choice morsels. Uh, I found out from a friend, this is about 15 years ago. um, 15 years ago, she was recovering from cancer and uh, she had a nutritionist, and I've heard it said from other nutritionists since then, um, just how damaging the effects of sugar are and she had to eliminate sugar from her diet because sugar feeds cancer. I was like, what? But it's so good. But I, how, can it, how can it taste so good but be so bad? Gossip. This is, this is what... This is what Solomon says 3,000 years ago about gossip. It's like a choice morsel. He doesn't even say right in this place that it's bad. He says, it's just like this choice morsel. It goes down to the inmost parts. It scratches that itch of just wanting to be known, wanting to be someone that spreads news. Did you hear about that person? My wife did a, um, a diet several years ago. She did a, a Whole30 diet. And in this diet, you're supposed to remove all processed foods and you also remove all sugar. And no joke, the first week was like Jekyll and Hyde. I'm telling you what, there was detoxing. She was angry real easily. Uh, She got headaches. Her body was revolting because of this need for sugar. Her body wanted and longed for sugar. This is what we're talking about here with Gossip. Another place in Proverbs that I don't have up here on the screen, but another place in Proverbs, you can go and do a word study on gossip. Another place in Proverbs says that when a gossip shuts their mouth, the division ceases. Shut your yapper! As Chris Farley said (laughs) in that skit. Shut your yapper! Stop talking. I just got on Facebook, I think it was yesterday, the day before. And I noticed a friend posted um, about someone else without this person knowing it. And then the thread were, was a ton of people saying, well, well, give us more details. Wait, what happened? What, what, what happened? Why, why did they do that? What? And I'm like, oh my word. Isn't it so easy to get caught up in the cycle of talking about other people? Sometimes we cloak it in these like super spiritual ways to like, let's pray for Jim. Let's pray for him. He's really struggling with that thing. You know, he's just, oh, really? Yeah, well, let's talk about him a little more before we pray for him. And then you just talk about him. You never even prayed for him. Come on. Gossip words. Careless words. Proverbs 12:18: the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. I've got some swords up here that some friends of mine. Let me borrow. Oh my gosh. What are we doing here today (laughs) at church? Bigger sword, littler sword. This one right here. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Uh, Jesus actually used a word in Matthew chapter 12, the first text that we went to. And he said, Do you remember this? He said, You will be held accountable for every empty word that you say, and actually another translation of that word is every careless word, every reckless word, they pierce like a reckless sword, or the reckless, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword. Now, if I start swinging the sword around, this is gonna get really bad. So if I start swinging this sword around, and it flies out of my hand, and hits Jesse. (laughs) Poor Jesse. (laughs) He just sat right here. He didn't even know. Now it flies out of my hand and it pierces Jesse. Um, But I say to him, I'm like, well, I didn't, dude, I'm, you know, I, I didn't mean to hit you. You shouldn't have been, it was your fault that you were there. You were there. You know what? You're probably just too sensitive. You're just being too sensitive. It's merely a flesh wound. It's just. You, bro, you're gonna be fine. Don't worry about it. This is, how, this is how so many of us talk about our words with other people. Man, that one's cool. I think that one's sharp too. <laughs> so the other one's dull. This is how we talk about our words with our spouse, with our friends. All right, we say something that was careless, reckless, and then they're hurt by it, and what, what do we do? We go into defense mode. Well, that's, it's, that's not what I meant. You know, I didn't mean that. You know, you're just being too sensitive. I think you're, you know, rather than just humbling ourselves, stooping down and apologizing, we leave wounds with our words. Some wounds, you know this to be true, some wounds that never go away. You've got a scar from something that someone said to you. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Someone called you stupid in first grade, and you've never forgotten. I have a a counselor that I saw, a counselor and coach, and um, he remembers a time, actually, this is his wound of words, is strikeout. Started in baseball, struck out every time, started nicknaming him strikeout, and literally 40 years later, he's like, I'm a strikeout. The wound that I hear over and over again is I strike out. That's what I do, that's what I'm good at, is swinging and missing or watching it go by altogether. Wounds of the reckless like swords. If you hurt someone with your words, at at some point your intentions actually um, didn't really matter, you still hurt them. If I go out here in the parking lot and I run over Ben's foot with my vehicle, I can't come over and be like, well, I didn't didn't mean. If I say I didn't mean to, that might be some consolation, but it doesn't change his foot's broken. Some of you are breaking feet, you're stabbing, you're leaving wounds with your words and then you're defending yourself. It's time that we weigh our words and be careful with our words. Careless words, harsh words, Proverbs 15:1. a harsh word stirs up anger. In uh, Ephesians, I think chapter five, Paul is talking to parents and he says, fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Don't be harsh with your kids. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, our last one here is unwholesome words. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths unwholesome talk. Now this word for unwholesome is the same word. This is really cool to me. I love Bible study where we can dig into word studies and context and meaning and cross-referencing and all that kind of stuff. This is the same word that Jesus used in our text in Matthew chapter uh, 12. Same word. It's only used seven, eight times in all the in all of the New Testament. And it's always used, except for here, it's always used for plants or bio, it's a biological term. Unwholesome is not a word that means swear words. It's not a word that means any particular list of words. It's not a word that means slang or any, you know, it's not there. It does mean decaying, rotting, organic material a bad tree that produces bad fruit. That's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 12. Unwholesome talk, bad fruit. I went home uh, probably about, it's been in the last week and my cat loves killing things Um, She is a huntress and she comes back and brings these dead animals on her step and she's like proud of it and all this kind of stuff. And I I got out of the truck and I was like, I smell a dead animal. It's somewhere. That's not lilacs. (laughs) It broke right through the lilac smell. Where is that? I couldn't, it took me a couple days to find the dead chipmunk hiding in the flower bed. Putrid, This is the word that, that Paul uses right here. This is the word that Jesus uses. Unwholesome is dying and decaying. Are your words wholesome or are they unwholesome? This is about your tone. This is about your speech. Um, just a little moment of confession. Last week, um, my family and I, we were in Traverse City Uh, for the weekend, along with what felt like half of LOL for the cherry cup, for Lasso cherry cup. So we stayed the night on on Friday night at at a campground. We had to wake up really early to get Carter to his first uh, soccer game. And right away, the kids were squirrely parents, do you know what I'm talking about? They were squirrely. They were at each other. They started using the tones that are like nails on the chalkboard to me, where they're like, they say each other's names, but they say it and it like goes up. It keeps going. Like It's like this, Carter Easton. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. Seven o'clock in the morning. And that's when it started. And I'm telling you, I snapped. Ah, not proud of this moment. I'm, in fact, we're leaving the campsite. We stopped, we weren't even out of the campground yet. Amy gets out of the vehicle to go use the restroom. The kids keep chirping in the back and doing their thing. And I had it. And I said, no, are you kidding me? (sighs) Is this how the whole effing weekend is gonna go? And that's what I said. Literally, that's what I said. And there was pin drop moments, and the kids are like, what just happened? <laughs> We've never heard dad say that before. <laughs> and now I'm and so and then Amy gets back in. She like comes in, woo, she gets back, she's none the wise, she like sits down. All right, let's go to the game and I'm white knuckling it. Not because of ice or anything, but because I'm so angry. And within seconds, I hear the Holy spirit like, nope, no, you're gonna gonna apologize to your kids. You're gonna humble yourself. Those were not wholesome words. The tone not just what you said, but the tone. Some of you have never actually swore at your kids or coworkers or friends or school or whatever, but you have broken Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 so many times because the words, the way that you use your words are not in a way that builds up other people, it's a way, in a way that tears others down. Unwholesome is so much more than four letter words. So I'm in this truck and Amy's like whistling Dixie. And the kids are quiet in the back. are so like, wow, how well behaved, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and I'm driving and I'm like, I need to say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, I don't, they're being idiots. They got what they deserve, you know, and I'm going back and forth in my own head. I'm like, no. So we get to the field and I was like, I need to do it. I'm going to do it. It's now or never. I have to. So I said, kids, before we get out, um, I need to apologize to you. And I didn't just say I made a mistake. I said, You're di- I-, I sinned. Church, that's probably a, a- another sidebar conversation. Let's stop calling things that are sin mistakes. Yeah. Start owning up when you sin. Okay. And so I said, kids, I am sorry. I sinned. <clears throat> I never should have talked to you that way. Raising my voice at you, belittling you. And then I said, and I never should have said effing. Amy had no idea what happened.
1: <laughs> so Amy's sitting
0: in the next seat and she goes. <laughs> so her jaw drops, I mean, to the floor, and I'm like, no, zip it, I don't need I'm, I'm already convicted, I'm, already, I'm saying I'm sorry, you know. Oh my, unwholesome words. You know, I, didn't, I don't even have this one in the text, but sarcasm is in there. There's this verse in Proverbs, look it up later. I don't have it up on the screen. There's this verse in Proverbs, it's beautiful. Ben and I were talking about it this last week. It's like uh, like the person who's taking flaming arrows and just shooting them into the air is the one who says, I was only joking. You know that's in the Bible. Oh, I was just kidding, you're so stupid. I was just kidding. Like, no, you can't do that. You can't use I was just kidding to like as a get out of jail free card. It doesn't work that way. Sarcasm. I got a list of things that some of you have heard these throughout your life, and it's time, I think, that we put them to death. These are words of death. It's time to put them to death. You can't do anything right. You're just like your father. When are you going to lose weight? Some of you say these to yourself. You're so stupid, quit your crying, you baby. You're going to do what with your life? And I hated hearing that one as a youth pastor. Hearing how parents or leaders talk to students and kids, man, why can't you be like your sister? Why do you stutter when you talk? You're so ugly, you better not let me down again or else. I'm so disappointed in you, I can't even even look at you. One of my best friends from growing up, Recently, we just talked and, and uh, his parents several years ago said, I I'm, we're so we're just so disappointed in you. We thought we raised you better. And those words are on repeat in his adult head and heart. You're a waste of my time. When are you going to grow up? You're so shallow. Get a life. I can't believe you're my daughter. I wish you were never born. Words of death. Now The good news here, though, is that in this text in Matthew 12, Jesus says there are words that are good, that come from good trees, and God can do that work, and he can change our words to be words of life. The Bible just as much as it talks about words of death it talks about words of life. Good fruit. How about these verses? Words of life are true words. True words. 1 Peter 3:10 for whoever would love life and see good days do you love do you want to love life and see good days That's what Peter says then you must keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. True words. Ephesians four twenty five. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. True words. Honest words. That all of our words that we speak would be true. Now, just as a little side note, all of our words need to be true, but all things that are true don't always need to be spoken. So some of you are like, I'm just speaking the truth. Sure, it's true, but was it helpful? No, it didn't help anyone, okay? So again, Chris Farley, shut your yapper, all right? True words, that all of our words would be true. And when we speak hard words that are true, that we're speaking them, Jesus said, in love. Careful words. We talked about careless words. Now we're talking about careful words. Proverbs twelve eighteen. the words of the reckless pierce like swords. We already talked about that with our swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. It takes that wound that's there and it comes and it stitches it up. It's like a salve like an ointment that brings healing. Did you know your words, when they're full of care, rather than caring less, that when they're full of care, they can actually bring healing? Have you been the recipient of that with people? I have. I mean, I can think of professors and mentors and teachers and friends that their words brought healing into my life the tongue of the wise brings healing. Gracious words, Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation always be full of grace. And then he uses this analogy. Again, I love all the analogies because I love object lessons. I love word pictures. And he says, let your your, conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, do you like salty stuff? I love salty foods. You know what salt does? Salt preserves things. Salt flavors things. And uh, you know the phrase like putting salt in a wound, you know, how that's usually used negatively in our culture. Putting salt in a wound is actually helpful for the wound. Did you know that? Salt water helps to clean and promote a healing process by which, or healing by a process called osmosis. The chemical comprising salt, sodium chloride, forces the liquid in the cells to move out of the body when it comes in contact with them. If those liquids are bacterial or have bacteria in them, they'll be forced out too, and this is how it effectively cleans skin. It cleans wounds. Let your words be gracious Seasoned with salt, healing wounds. I love that. Not just what you say, but how you say it. Gentle words. Are your words gentle? Man, this whole message and studying this text and studying words this last week has just been hitting me upside the head. Are my words gentle? Even when I need to correct, even when I need to admonish, are they gentle? Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. It turns away wrath. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's been a coaching situation, where a coach is yelling at a kid, and the kid's just not responding, totally shutting down and another coach comes in and speaks in a different kind of tone they they read the kid they're trying to figure out okay what makes this kid tick and they speak to him in a way that that literally opens the kid right up you're like well why, why, why you said the same thing yeah i was just i said it i said it differently i said it in a way that they could receive it gentle words Encouraging words, Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, which is in fact, every day, <laughs> every day. Are you encouraging someone every day? Well, I did last week. I said that thing last week. They should remember that, every day. This is, this is a tall order. This is amazing. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, which also just happens to be every day so that none, may, none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The word encourage, I was reading this book last week, Five Love Languages, um, Gary Chapman wrote this, and this one is for kids. The five love languages of children, and I was reading uh, chapter two is all about words of affirmation. And in it, he says this, and I think it's just as applicable for kids as it is adults. The word encourage means to instill courage. We are seeking to give children the courage to attempt more. To a young child, this was just novel to me. To a young child, almost every experience is new. And new experiences are scary, aren't they? Going to a new school, getting a new job, new stage of life, new relationship, new friends. To a young child, almost every experience is new. Learning to walk, to talk, to ride a bicycle requires constant courage. By our words, we either encourage or discourage the, ch- the child's efforts. Are you an encourager? Jay and I were talking a little bit this week about encouragement, and I think to encourage someone is one of the most vulnerable things you can do relationally with someone else. You ever been in a conversation with someone and they're looking right at you in the eyes and they're speaking to you and what do you wanna do? You wanna look away, you wanna deflect, you wanna make, encouragement is this intimate moment of instilling courage in someone else. Are you an encourager? Are your words building other people up Literally for people to hear, I've got what it takes. We can, I can do this with the Lord's help. I've got the spirit of God in me. and I can, I can conquer this because of those words of life that were spoken through her, through him. Helpful words. And I, so the rest of Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. And listen to this phrase right here that Paul says, I hadn't caught this until reading this this week. According to their needs. That means when you speak to people, you're not just thinking about yourself, yourself being heard. We have enough of that in our culture. You're thinking about the other person and what they need to hear. That takes serious humility. What do they, how would I speak to them in a way that would build them up? How do I speak to them in a way that would be helpful? That may benefit those who listen. Grateful words. Grateful words. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 18, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know how I love about grateful words is that in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, don't be anxious or don't be worried about anything, but in everything, give with thanksgiving or with gratitude, present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is kind of an equation. You have worry, you have anxiety. And when you offer it to the Lord with gratitude, it's then that you feel peace. Gratitude is a channel for peace in our lives. Peace given to others, peace given to ourselves. Grateful words. Words like this, you did a great job. What would it look like for you to take one of these phrases today and repeat them to someone that you're close to? You did a great job. And then be specific why. You know what I love about you is this. You have a beautiful voice. I'm so proud of you. You're my little princess. I love you so much. No one could ever replace you. I will never, ever let you go. You can do anything you set your mind to and still encourage. Thank you so much for your friendship. I love spending time with you. Great game. You know that adults need to hear great game even though we're not in sports anymore? Man, we just still need to hear, man, great game. Good job. You know, how, you know what I loved about that project, that presentation, what you did, that, that, that was so meaningful great game. You're so beautiful. I've missed you so much. You'll always be daddy's little girl. You're a wild man, son. Whatever happens, I'll be here for you. You mean the world to me. Parents, did you go and pick up your kids? I'm not sure if you notice this, but there are these cards in Kid Zone at each location. And do you know what these have on them? They have on each side Words that your kids need to hear at this stage of life because words create worlds. worlds or words create reality. God, thank you for this beautiful baby. With God, all things are possible. Are you scared? Let's talk to God about it. You know, You know that Jesus thinks you're awesome. You know, I can always count on you to fill in the blank. You did it. Let's let's go to church. Hearing or your kids hearing you thank God for things. Jesus, did you know that Jesus loves you? I enjoy spending time with you. Keep trying. You can do it over and over. That's what we have for parents to pick up in kid zone. And we need those words today. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Will you choose life this week? Will you choose the habit of your words producing life or death? So God, as we go today, would you allow us to be a transformed people that's like light in the darkness, uh, that brings goodness to places that are dead, God, our world is so full of words of death. It's in the news, it's on social media, it's on people's profiles, it's in forums and all kinds of stuff. God, would you help us to be a church that chooses words that bring healing, that bring truth, that bring love, that bring grace, that bring gratitude. Help us to be people who develop the habit of words of life through your power and through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you next week.